0: You gotta do it like his accent, though.
1: Mm-hmm. <sighs> I breathe through the nose.
0: <laughs>
1: I must ask you a question, but I thought I'd shave it for later. What's on first? What's on second? I don't know who's on third. And I mention my dear Watson? What's in the box? Just what do you think you're doing guys? Frankly, right here, I don't give a damn. But why male models? Why so serious? Something? I am serious. and don't call me sure. Well, nobody's perfect. Go ahead. Make my day. LXG, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Welcome, everybody, to Pop Culture. I am Scott.
0: I am Jason. And I'm
1: Monica connections something we started with uh, doom and i guess inadvertently started with battleship the idea of mediums that cross the bounds be it literature be it video games be it board games whatever and we were picking this because we wanted to sort of move away from what were they thinking because it usually ends up in us being like oh shit good have a good night so <laughs> we thought we'd you know pick movies that were connected to different things we did doom and it turned out that was not very good movie. And then I don't remember who suggested it. I feel like it was Monica.
0: <laughs>
1: ah! <laughs> <laughs> all uh, I know League... is it was not
0: me. <laughs> League of Extraordinary Gentlemen.
1: Now, yes, you could be saying what were they thinking, and you absolutely should be asking what were they thinking. However, when we start to dive into this movie and you'll be talking about it in, in, I guess, relation to the way it connects to other works, talking about some of the best works of all time, but one of the one of the most celebrated comic books of all time
0: (laughs) and And we end up with
1: a movie that is 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 important in regards to i guess the fact that this movie ended sean connery's career yeah which is a pretty big deal because as far as pop culture icons go you don't get much bigger than sean connery so the league of extraordinary gentlemen Mm. (laughs) Whoa.
0: yeah, well, um, yeah. I, I just i can't help but say the league of ordinary filmmaking but that's really what it is and would you uh,
1: i was so i was reading up on it yesterday and you'd be, you'd be i'm sure you would be, love to know that the uh the gentleman who wrote this script never wrote another movie script again
2: oh no really <laughs>
0: wow <Well, in> <laughs> with, with lines like um stay back if you want to live you know, where they, they have to put all these extra explanations for why you've got a line in the first place without anything. It's just it's so woeful. And then, you know, oh, wasn't fast enough. Phileas Fogg, round the world in 80 days, and it sort of adds all literature. of this extra. <laughs> we're,
1: we're making sure that we, we recognise
0: this. <laughs> it was just, just that dialogue alone is the killer of it. It's um, amongst other things, but that really, really, Drags it when you're thinking of that line and going, why? Why'd you have to say that? <laughs> um, but I have to say that I haven't read the comics, and I understand that you know you were saying they're celebrated comics was I think the words you used. I find the mashup of these literary things problematic, just straight out. Yeah. And I mean, I know there's. Sort of nice, uh, how would I describe them, sort of mashups in a literary sense of looking at themes. Uh, is it Jasper Ford, I think, the author who does things like that, where they go into the books and you're, you're part of the story and the book, reusing these other works in some way, but bringing them together hodgepodge like this. I. I just think that's the beginning of its end straight away. It, it just you can't I've
1: I've never read the comic, but I, I mean, it's won a lot of awards. It's done more. So, I mean, I'm sure it's good because it's a very good writer. I've not read one of his comics and been like, oh, that was very good. We're talking about V for Vendetta, Watchmen, yeah. uh, Moore's run on Swamp Thing, From Hell, V for Vendetta. The dude's good. <laughs> so I'm sure the book is amazing. I've just not read it. Purely because I think the movie left such a bad taste in my mouth. And you're right. It is sort of like okay, we've got Alan Quartermain running around with Captain Nemo. We've got Minahaka. We've got Dorian Gray. We've got mm-hmm.
0: the Invisible Man, Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer. Yeah.
2: <laughs> to Tom Which is like the
1: biggest reach of all of them. Uh, the villain is the victim of the opera. Who is masquerading as M from James Bond? As it turns out, it's actually Moriarty from Sherlock Holmes. I just, uh, yeah. Captain Nemo's first mate, called Ishmael. Ah, out. Yeah.
0: And apparently, it was going to have uh, James Bond's dad, or something like that. Ah, <laughs> so, I love it, Keith Bond. Yeah, <laughs> and I just like. It's just where I feel that it pays so much disservice to the literary origins of everything and you just can't give the weight required behind those characters or deserving to those characters, I should say, by mishmashing it like this. I think the strangest
1: thing as well is like, I guess
0: if you've read the comic,
1: cool, you might be going into it being like, oh, I really like the comic and then go watch League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Like, I, as a kid, I was a bit of a literary nerd, so obviously I read 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I've never read King Solomon's Minds, but whatever. I knew who Alan Quatermain was. I imagine in, like, when was this movie released? Like, 2002, uh, 2003, maybe? Yeah, around that time. I didn't even care to look up the year. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very much, I think, a movie marketed at, like, 12-year-old boys through to teenagers, really who are all idiots, let's be
0: real. (laughs) (laughs) 2003, to answer your question. All right, so I was 13, but like I said,
1: I was a weird literary nerd kid. I remember being like going to see the movie and the friends I saw it with had no idea who any of these characters were meant to be. Like, what a weird pitch. And I feel like the only reason that they got away with it was because they were all bloody public domain.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. I was reading up about that. That's one of the reasons they sort of quasi reference some of them, and like the Invisible Man's not the Invisible Man, and things like that. So it's just I don't know. There's there's so many (laughs) aspects to it.
1: A Invisible Man, yeah, yeah. (laughs) not the Invisible Man.
2: Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. And um, my understanding of the comic books, I've not read them, but Orlando is the immortal character that they bring in rather than Dorian Gray, which makes a ton more sense, really.
0: Yeah, and when you think about it, in terms of literature and what all of these literary characters' worlds they live in, I know it's a parallel world or whatever you want to call it, um, I just can't see how Oscar Wilde, fits into any of this sort of stuff because that's <laughs> like, that's right out of there. Yes,
2: <laughs> And I guess part of, I guess, one of the themes that the movie is trying to do is to talk about the turn of the century and bringing in the 1900s away from this completely different 19th century world. Putting in Dorian Gray isn't a really good way to do it because he is this old sensibility person who's just a complete prick. And... <laughs> he's the worst and um it doesn't necessarily bring about this existential dread about the, this new 20th century that we're moving into yeah sure there's technological advancements when yeah you can totally see a character like moriarty being at the helm of that sort of thing in the villain but i don't see the the parallel with the bringing those other characters in to foil him it should have been someone like sherlock holmes instead <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes on its own is that potential to do explore those themes quite easily, uh, as well as Dracula. But, mm. it, um, like, even Alan Waterman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I sort of get how they worked with that one in terms of trying to He's reflect what Monica's around. saying. Mm-hmm. But he's also the old-school type one. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's the reference to the Empire and whatnot, and it's trying to maintain that as if that's a great thing.
2: <laughs> well, it's not. And it's not initially because basically um, quarterman goes, well, fuck the Empire, so yeah. what have they done for me lately?
1: <laughs> and then um, Captain Nemo is this. Yeah. Indian just. pirate.
0: Uh it gets worse than that. They got they reference things like um Da Vinci's sketches as if he yeah. had blueprints of Venice and it just it, it warps too much and they were in Da Vinci's attic the whole time.
2: <laughs> also, I feel that um casting someone like Richard Roxburgh immediately tells you he's gonna be the villain.
1: <laughs> it's what I do. It's what he does.
2: It's, it's what he does. You know. Um. Besides Rake, but um, he's
0: always going to be the villain.
1: <laughs> <laughs> which, which he's not exactly likable in Rake either. Well, like, no, that's true. <laughs> he's not admirable.
0: Oh. Uh in in American films. In
2: American films, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, in Australian stuff he's not necessarily the villain. No, but um. Yeah, definitely in American films, you know he's going to be doing it and hamming it up all the way. Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: I need need a hammy villain. What's Richard (laughs) Rosemary doing? Give us his number.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Did you see that? Did you see that, Ben Helsing? Let's get that guy.
2: Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and
2: just... Yeah, I, I have nothing more to add to that than saying this film is complete clown shoes and probably a disservice to the comic book. <laughs> and also a slap I so. Yeah, and a slap in the face to all these wonderful literary characters. Like I love the Dracula novel by Bram Stoker, and my God, did they sideline Mina?
1: <laughs> Super superhero vampire Mina Harker.
2: Yeah, you know, because she was in always going to be her that corset. way. Sci- scientist Mina Harker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> She's a chemist. Are we going to be blowing something up?
0: <laughs> Dialog,
1: everyone. Dialog.
0: Yeah.
1: Maybe. Um, look. I let's have... let's look at let's look at each character then. Let's talk about each character, and I guess and let's finish on Sean Connery because this is the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. <laughs> um. Tom Sawyer.
0: Uh, look. I can secret see agent, American
1: secret agent Tom Sawyer.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, it's to me. A lot of these characters are either a whim of the writer or the director, but it's also a calculated thing. So for me, Tom Sawyer is straight out of this, let's make sure we've got an American. An American. Mm. Yep. Where's Huck? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, he ran away. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> presumably, um, cleaning up <laughs> Tonsai's <soy> mess. <laughs> <laughs> we've already talked about Mina Harker, which is sort of a strange.
0: Yeah, but again, I, th- I feel that's token. Again, it's like, oh, we've got to have a female in here, and yeah, don't not really do much for her. It's it's wo- woeful in terms of a character.
2: Yeah, my understanding in the comic book series as well she is um the protagonist as well. She's the one who's recruited to actually find this um this crew of extraordinary individuals along with Quatermain as well.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, well that that would give her a lot more nows so if she had that screen time and I guess yeah. characterization of leading things rather yes. than sort of being this Mysterious outsider.
2: Yes, but we can't have a woman doing that. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> yeah, so. This
1: is, a, this is a superhero movie before Woke Times. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, who else we got in this team? Captain Nemo.
0: Ooh. Yes. The Nautilus
1: and the Nautiloy.
0: What? Uh, i don't know whether he's really got a character as such he's just
2: yeah he doesn't he's he's their taxi driver
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah.
2: he's sort of like the cue of this story you know he's got all the gadgets know-how yeah um
1: now I, i might be alone here but i would i would pay to watch a um a jason Fleming, dr jekyll and mr hyde movie Oh, the the Biff-looking
0: (laughs) eyes. That's what he reminded me of straight away. It was like, he looks like Biff.
2: I've got a a strange sort of like cleansed Cronenberg kind of
0: side. (laughs) Um,
2: You want your football, go get it. I think that character probably had the most potential out of everybody because he's obviously having this inner monologue with, you know, his other persona. But um But yeah.
1: he always like, at least like he's he's quite a good actor and he's actually like yeah. he looks ill and he's like playing it like he's trying to play it really, like go for it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think he was um Giving it a hundred percent, whereas everyone's at a at, at a cool 70.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're in third year and we're not going up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dorian Gray, Stuart Townsend is not very good in this movie.
2: No, but you know what? He probably is the only person who has the most fun in this movie. Like
1: you can see he's enjoying himself. <laughs> he's, he's hamming it up, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Like he's he's unfair. fantastic in that in that amazing exposition scene to camera in black and white.
2: That was obvious. Like it was legit the best part of that movie.
0: Really? Mm.
1: <laughs> I,
2: yeah. It was the best part when they just sort of explain the plan, and it's just like it's so dumb. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. It wasn't he supposed to be Aragorn? Yes. Yes. It yeah, was he originally
2: was... cast as Aragon, that's correct.
0: Yeah, okay. And, um, yeah, he looked too young or something. Well, no, he said he was too young. Mm. It was He actually initiated that conversation with Peter Jackson. Ah, and good. And said, I don't think I can do this just because I'm too young for the, the part, oh, the role.
2: Thank goodness, because you can't have a Stuart Townsend shaped peg in a Vigo Mortensen shaped.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah, Vigo owns that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Um, but I, I give credit to him for going, that's not appropriate for me. I mean, he obviously yeah. took it seriously enough to go, no, I, I can't do it or ruin it. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. who says no to that? But um, back to his portrayal of Dorian Gray, I didn't feel he was hedonistic enough because that's what Dorian Gray is. He's this hedonist, self-absorbed twat. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, but how does it fit into an action hero type film? This is why I'm saying why Oscar Wilde. Why would you pick something like that?
2: Oh yeah, yeah, like
0: (laughs) it's like dealing with vanity and exactly, yeah,
1: impulses Mm. and. But no, no, he's immortal. You see,
2: therefore, (laughs)
1: Mm.
2: and we needed to fight the vampire lady. And we needed to have really bad special effects when he gets to see his painting at the end. So, oh,
1: how <laughs> great was that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, yeah, yeah. How do you want this to look? I don't know. Have you seen those Indiana Jones movies? Something like that, but doesn't look <laughs> <make it.
0: laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, good. Um, all right. And, uh, oh God, what? I oh, guess M, Phantom of the Opera, slash Moriarty. <laughs> Richard Roxburgh and his rotating accent. Yeah, he
2: was doing, like, three different accents in that movie. I was like, yeah, who,
1: what kind of villain puts that much work into there? <laughs> he's but like, you know he's what? He's a cockney fella, pretending to be, like, an evil Russian bad guy with bad makeup on, and then, mm. like, I'm British. You
2: know what, though? <laughs> I can sort of see the character of Moriarty going to that kind of effort because he is that person. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, a, it's theatrical and it doesn't make a lot of sense in this movie. But if you do think about the character of Moriarty through different iterations, you can sort of see that, yeah.
0: Oh, I can sort of accept that it's just it doesn't just it's doesn't just a work bit in the is- end because he's got to do all that exposition yeah, here's my plans. <laughs> but yeah. It's too late because I put a bomb on your boat. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: unfortunately there's a disconnect between the character's motivations and what the movie is telling you in exposition. So that makes it a much more bitter pill to swallow. So it's not um he's a very unreliable kind of villain and it seems I'm inconsistent.
1: Going, I'm going to bring together the only people who can stop me so I can steal their stuff. <laughs> yeah. Which <laughs>
2: That's always, you know, exactly not the way to do it.
0: <laughs> um, he to that it. office. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> With his diesel punk factory of wonders. Mm. With miniatures, like lots of miniatures, I noticed. Camera work, and that was old anyway. And finally, on <laughs> Quartermain, Sean Connery, who punched the director of this movie out at the red carpet event.
2: Oh, is that story true?
1: Yes. Yeah. The director was being interviewed by someone and said, what was it like working with Sean Connery? Can you do an impersonation of him? And the director did. And Sean Connery was behind him and did not appreciate (laughs) being made fun of in such a way. So Connery punched him out.
2: That sounds about right.
1: (laughs) I was reading an interview with him after this and he was like, I was tired of working with idiots. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, I remember reading an interview as well sort of saying, you know, we haven't seen the director around very much. Where do you think he is? And Sean Connery replied, have you checked the local um, asylum?
0: <laughs> yeah, I sort of read that somewhere too. Yeah. Um, there was some one detail I just wanted to add for that for Sean Connery though. I got a feeling he's one of the producers. Oh, really. is he? Yeah. Which I to sh- me.
1: probably for a cut.
0: Yeah, probably, yeah. and not actually having creative control yeah. or anything.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah, that's probably a factor as well. But that said, his Quartermain isn't
1: terrible. <laughs> he, and despite, obviously, all these issues that were going on and he, worst. He still worst. did his job. Yeah. The, like, he, he's not terrible.
2: No, I, I think he's probably the only, he's like the only piece of glue that's sort of sticking everybody together in this film. Um, you know, he's the veteran actor coming into this and it's almost as if it's passing the torch to this next generation of actors, um, in a way, but it just doesn't work. And um, at least he sort of tried to sort of take the character of Quartermain that you know from the book somewhat seriously and with a modicum of, I guess, faithfulness to those um, novels.
1: Because, like, the best scenes in this movie are where he's, like, teaching Tom Sawyer to shoot. the only, like... Yeah, just obviously acting going on.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's sort of like you know you need to take your time. You need to sort of like follow everything around. You know, it was yeah. He delivers good dialogue with um a shoddy script.
0: (laughs) Oh, I don't know. He's lying. Look out! Uh, If you value your lives, I mean, (laughs) eighty days. You know, he he around the world in eighty days. (laughs) 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 Uh, much (laughs) strong. Um. I think it I don't actually think Sean Connery's doing anything outstanding in this it, it's just he's doing his thing he's, maybe it's yeah, just like his
1: presence the gravitas of having Yeah Sean he
0: or... he is pretty much on autopilot he is so well versed in doing this sort of character and type of film that I don't think he has to think a lot about it mm. he's he's able to just go on autopilot almost and run with it. Um, I found that some of it seemed a bit awkward and points. And I, I think that might be just a reflection of the conflict going on behind the scenes in the making of it. Because just some of it just seemed a little bit like, OK, I'll say it and let it happen, but not give it the same, uh, I guess, energy that you were talking about in some of the other scenes. So I just found it all very inconsistent. And a- automatic, um, Sean Connery, if you want. Mm. Uh, think, but hes I think, think he's far from phoning it in, though.
2: I, I think he is as well. And um, I think the editing also um, messes with the film a lot as well, yeah. with the pace and all that, because you can definitely see that a lot of scenes have been cut, um, have been shortened up or, you know,
1: fast forward Lots of, of cutaways on dialogue, too, so where someone's finishing a sentence. Yeah, and cut away to something else to hide the fact that their lips aren't matching what was said yeah. because we're shortening dialogue or removing chunks of dialogue. And
0: yeah, mm. exactly. Uh, I, no, I wouldn't say he's phoning it in though. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I, I'm just saying that he's, you know, it, it's his experience and expertise in what he does means that he doesn't have to push much at all sure. to yeah. to achieve it. And um, it's not asking a great deal of him either. No. Uh, <laughs> No, and I mean, you know, he's—he never really tried to do amazingly dramatic films. In essence, because no. I guess James Bond pretty much ruined, ruled his acting life from there on. And um, which yeah, is more just like puns
1: and action.
0: Uh, action is probably more of it. He he did some pretty bizarre films in the 70s. So it's like I will give him credibility Z- for all of that. Z- 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 Zardoz yeah, Zardoz. Yeah. It's um which is an interesting film in itself. It's worth seeing and Highlander's great Highlander. Oh, Highlander. Yeah. yeah. So that's a good you know, cult classic. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe in the next lot. Mm. Um but yeah, I I just feel it was um more him being so capable. And, yeah, it's a bit of a sad fact that it made him stop at that point. This is the
1: capstone of his career. Yeah, and it's
0: a sad fact that he didn't get the opportunity to be Gandalf because this looked like it was more attractive and things like that, so. I, yeah, that said, though, I don't think I could live without Ian McKellen's
1: Uh, Gandalf.
0: Yeah. I don't think I, I wouldn't even try to compare them. I can just see how Sean Connery would have worked. That's all. And uh, but at the same time, yeah, Ian McKellen's amazing. <laughs> it's like he's <laughs> he's he's got. We're talking about gravitas of of actors. He's got an amazing presence. Um, yeah. Like. I, I say, go watch the uh, extras episode with Ricky Gervais. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and you'll see what I mean of how well he. C and C and C and C. Not really. <laughs> yeah, but um, going back to Sean Connery, though, yeah, it, it's like, it's a really sad fact that that was the closing chapter of his acting career. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, thanks for ruining the mood, Jason. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, look, you know, I, no, no, I have to comment on it. It's, 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 it. That's why we were like, yeah, I guess it's significant. <laughs> mm.
0: yeah. Oh, well, I mean, it's part of the crossover stuff, but yeah. it's just a horrific mash of things that should never have been combined. Yeah. <laughs> Ruined a lot of careers. Well, deservedly so, I'd say. <laughs> Except for Richard Roxburgh's, yeah. Yeah. And talking about him, if you look at what he's done, yeah, he's doing all these hammy villains, and he's slowly walked away from them and came back to sort of more Australian productions. And you see him for what he can do. It's which is great.
2: He's got so much range. Yeah, from
0: from Blue Murder to Rake. Like, yeah, Yeah. I I love Rake. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah. So Cleaver Green. Yeah, it wasn't a death knell for everyone in the film.
1: No. But I mean, <laughs> a lot of people it was. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. A Hollywood misstep trip onto a landmine. I don't know what you want. It's pretty bad. Mm. It's,
0: no, pretty it's bad. like a Hollywood headbutt a wall or something. It's not <laughs> even a misstep. I'm going to go bang my head against something. <laughs>
2: I look forward to the eventual television remake.
0: Oh, you think so? Oh, a TV, yeah. H- HBO TV series.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. You, you, this, what, one's you faithful. this one's faithful to the comic. It Mark my words, it it'll, it'll pop up again. I reckon. Mm.
1: After Disney finally make David Fincher's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, maybe we'll see it. Come oh, around. yes,
2: please.
0: <laughs> it's never going to happen.
2: Oh, but I want it to. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's up for the next one, isn't it? That's for Mm. sure.
1: Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Pop Culture. I've been Scott. I'm
0: still Jason.
2: And I'm still Monica.
1: Pop Culture is produced by and recorded by Jason, Andy, Monica Porter, and Scott Sauter. The clip for this week's show was the trailer for The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and the song at the end was the end credits theme from The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Ugh. If you're enjoying the show, please, I invite you to jump on that podcast and leave us a review. It helps us expand the show and reach new listeners. If you'd like to find us on social media, we're available at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Pod, on Twitter at popcultureau, and we're also available on Instagram.